Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a salmonella risk with salsa, a smart toothbrush, and an alternative treatment for a regular heartbeat. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 46 for the week of August 17th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is XO3, exposure to controlled fire, not in building or structure. Right. Um, <laughs> so, it, interestingly enough, this has happened to me, um, but it, it was kind of a contentious subject between the diagnose, diagnostician, if you will, uh, and the other doctors, because I argue that my 12-foot bonfire was perfectly controlled. Oh, of course. But the doctor thinks that's a little, quote, excessive. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is I, I did get a little bit singed, just a little bit. It, it, was, yes. it really wasn't anything. You know, just lost a little bit of skin. So, like, mm -hmm. no big deal. Just, I'm totally fine. Don't worry. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, just, you know, I put a little aloe on it. I only went to the, the doctor because my mom said I should. So, what kind of wood were you using? Uh, just, you know, general scrap stuff that I had laying oh. around. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's the problem. That's why it burns you. You weren't using a nice cedar wood. I only yeah. burned my fires with the finest of woods. Yeah. Yeah. That way it's controlled, you know? Ah, uh, that's how you control it with your... Mm -hmm. your well, I control it by um, being the one who built it. Uh. I was in control, Okay. Right. Don't, don't right. let this doctor tell you any other way. <laughs> totally controlled. Okay. And with that, let's get right to the news. First up, we have these onions could do more than make you cry. Spoken Produce Incorporated is voluntarily recalling salsa products containing onions. This is the result of an expanded recall by Spokane's onion supplier, Thompson International Incorporated. The recalls are due to concerns of the potential contamination by salmonella. The products were distributed in Indiana, Montana, Oregon, and Washington states between May 13th and August 10th. They reached consumers only through retail stores. Consumers who purchase any of the affected products should discard it and return it to the place of purchase. No illnesses have been reported. Consumers who have any questions can call Spokane Produce. Gotta be careful when you're eating your salsa, huh? Yeah, see, well, you know... Usually, though, like... When I think of a salsa, right, it comes mm -hmm. in a glass jar that's sealed. Right. And so that tells me that it was pressure cooked to make that seal, right, to can yes. it. Right. So we must be talking about more of those, like, fresh salsas that just kind of come in a little plastic container. Yes. Right. Probably. So I guess in less the refrigerator aisle. They're not in the refrigerator uh, aisle. They're not in the regular aisle. They're in the refrigerator aisle. They're the fancy salsas, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, let, I'm going to charge you $2 extra for this salsa just because it needs to be refrigerated. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess lesson learned. If you want salsa, just make your own. If, right, I mean, exactly. if you're getting a fresh salsa like that, one that's not canned or processed, you know, it's just a couple tomatoes, some peppers, some onions, chop them up, throw them together, mm -hmm. salsa. Mm -hmm. Some garlic salt, some, some pepper, you know, mm -hmm. some salt itself, some, some of that hot sauce stuff. Maybe, maybe a couple, uh, maybe a couple peppers. ghost peppers in there, like you said, and uh, some Tostito chips, and you're good. 
I'm more of a guacamole guy. I don't know. I feel like the salsa versus guacamole debate is very heated. Um, but I will stand true to guacamole through and through. Do they make products that they call like salsa mole? It's like half and half mixed together. I don't know. What are you like that a Heinz genius? Good. You know how Heinz is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like cranch. It's like ketchup and ranch. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like calm down. I don't. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking. And it's like super aggressive. Cranch! <laughs> you know, I'm really not a big fan of guacamole just right. by itself. I, I just don't tend to like the flavor. It, it, it's just weird to me. But I like the texture. It's kind of like sour know. cream. You and know, not everyone has a, a well-defined palate yet. Some of us still <laughs> like stuff off the children's menu. It's fine. So I'm thinking salsa mole. That's going to be the next big thing. Next up, hey Alexa, are my teeth clean? A new Procter & Gamble toothbrush has the functions of an Amazon Alexa to keep you entertained and help boost oral health. Its Wi-Fi-enabled charger can play music or the news, update you on the weather, control your smart home devices, and order off Amazon. This tech toothbrush helps maintain oral health with a light monitoring system for brushing efficiently. It flashes red if you're brushing too hard, and green when you've brushed for two minutes. You can also sync the toothbrush to the Oral-B app, where you can receive personalized tips for improvement. Oral-B Guide coaches you while you brush and provides real-time feedback on brushing frequency, duration, coverage, and optimal pressure. <laughs> there is no part of me who's ever had the thought, gosh, I wish I had a toothbrushing coach. <laughs> Man, while I'm brushing my teeth, I really wish I could hear the latest story on the sports right now. Like, right, because I need my toothbrush to do that. I get it. The the most functional part of this is the the two minutes thing and the red light thing, the haptic feedback giving you, telling you that you're you're brushing too hard. But I am not, for the life of me, going to download the Oral B app <laughs> and make a user account so that they can tell me. How to improve my brushing <laughs> right. on the app. Like, that is just I, not something I'm going to open. I'm sorry. That, I'm not. It just seems like something that they're <laughs> trying to get, you know, a new revenue stream by collecting yeah. user data to sell. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, That's what the everything's, I think of. everything's about user data. It's going to pretty soon that thing's going to scan your teeth and they're going to be able to <laughs> tell, to, to like sell that to marketing companies who can oh, sell it. probably already is. Based to you. Yeah, it's probably. already scanning your teeth and you're going to get completely... ads for like Invisalign braces and stuff like that and it, and then it's, and it goes to your wi-fi so it already it, so your wi-fi is already struggling because of all those smart devices that are that are connected to it right it's already going to get slowed down because you're everything that uses wi-fi whether or not you're using it or not still needs that connection and still uses some of your wi-fi even if you're not connected so now you're going to have this toothbrush who's going to like bog down your internet there needs to be a line here that it blinks green there needs to be a line like (laughs) smart devices are great but they're getting out of control like it's almost like (laughs) when apps first came around there was an app for everything and even like half the time apps like like for the the smaller companies and stuff you download the app and it would just open up the web page on your phone instead of just Mm -hmm. you know going to google and typing it in on your phone it would just open up the web page like this is kind of like what the new new reality is with smart devices is just getting in together with like a bunch of managers and being like, hey, how can we make a smart device? Yeah. How can we get in on this game? <laughs> like with our toothbrushes. 
instead of just making the toothbrush better at cleaning your teeth, they're like, no, no, no. Right. We, we've made the toothbrush good enough. Now we need to make you better at plus, brushing your teeth. Plus, imagine like, imagine you're brushing your teeth and you're trying to talk to your toothbrush and tell you to watch the news. It's like, that's what I would oh, wait, could you tell me how, <laughs> what's the weather right now? Like, <laughs> Or better yet, it allows you to order off Amazon. I can I can see that going very well. Like you know how with smart devices right now, you have to like say "Hey Google" or "Hey Alexa" like four times so that it can realize well, why don't you how you say make it in all different of them go off in you. different ways. Like for Oral B's, the instructions are like place the toothbrush in your mouth and pretend that you're brushing your teeth, and then say. Oral B four times. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, next up we have you can forget taking your medicine with this one time implant. PIH Good Samaritan Hospital is one of the first Los Angeles hospitals to offer a new implant device to patients with nonvalvular atrial fibrillation. The Watchman FLX, left atrial appendage closure, or LAAC, is an alternative to long term. Warfarin medication. Up to 6 million Americans are affected by AF, which is an irregular heartbeat. People with AF have five times greater risk of stroke than others. The Watchman FLX closes off an area of the heart to keep harmful blood clots from entering the bloodstream and potentially causing a stroke. By closing off the left atrial appendage, the risk of stroke may be reduced over time and patients may be able to stop taking blood thinners the technology's design helps treat more patients safely and effectively to ensure long-term outcomes. I'm just sorry. I'm in another world thinking AF. They got they got some heart stuff AF. Yo, this implant is dope AF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so For all this those hip kids out there. This kind of goes off of our previous story where we're talking about just adding on smart devices. Now we got smart hearts. Where are we gonna stop? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this, I understand this. Cool. This isn't a connected device. I know, I know, I know. I think I understand that this implement, this implant is cool, but I also think it's kind of scary at the same time. I feel like a lot of people are going to have a hard time being like, okay, implant this device into my heart. Because that's, I mean. I would. I mean, if it is going to potentially get me off of blood thinners or prevent a stroke, like that. Well, yeah, I mean, the benefits cool. might out. The benefits of it might outweigh the the initial scare of it, but I also feel like the most most of the time the people that are like at risk for stroke are usually people who are older. And I think that even if you have an irregular heartbeat, you're probably not going to have a stroke unless you're older. And usually those people who are the older patients are a little bit apprehensive about going to the doctor alone, like going to the doctor at all, let alone getting something implanted into their heart. I don't know. It just seems kind of kind of worrisome i guess i don't know well obviously all of those procedures are always going to be dangerous right there has to be a pretty significant risk for it to be worth it yep to to take that risk in general so but another helpful thing coming down because i feel like i don't know is irregular heartbeat really hard to um diagnose because my grandma when she was in the hospital one time they were like, she has an irregular heartbeat. And we didn't know that until like she was 84. You know what I mean? So well, it must I be kind of hard to find. I don't know. I Right. Because you 
don't necessarily notice it unless it becomes an issue Mm -hmm. or they're looking for something else. Right. So you can have an irregular heartbeat for years and years and years, and it never really affects your day to day life. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, like nobody ever knows. Interesting stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. And with that, let's get on to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest and greatest and most threatening cybersecurity breaches all across the world. First up, we have... Finally, some action after our investigation. Illinois Healthcare System FHN recently announced that patients were notified of a data breach which occurred in February. An investigation was launched after noticing that employee email accounts had been compromised. FHN responded by securing those accounts and hiring a forensic firm to determine what happened. There was sensitive data within the accounts that could have been accessible, but the investigation was unable to determine if the unauthorized person actually viewed any of the data. Not all patients were affected. FHN is offering complimentary credit monitoring service and identity protection services to those whose social security numbers or driver's license numbers were exposed. The company is reinforcing education with staff on how to identify and avoid suspicious emails, and it's making email security enhancements such as multi-factor authentication. I do think it was most likely just someone clicking something they shouldn't have. Yep. And that's what that's how a lot of breaches end up happening is you're not paying attention and someone sends you a phishing email and you accidentally click it because you think it's like you're one of your coworkers sending you something that's important and it turns right. out to be something that downloads a malicious executable file and then before you know it you put your entire company at risk. <laughs> right. It's but like I, it's such a simple thing, but it can have such a huge impact on your organization and that's what kind of makes it so mm-hmm, scary. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's as companies think about their security, a lot of times they're like, okay, all these systems, all these systems, and no. but they neglect the one that is arguably the most vulnerable, their own staff. Yep. Your staff is the number one uh, risk for breaches. And it's one thing right. to say, oh, you got to be vigilant when you're looking at your emails. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're all humans and we, we always, I mean, Checking your emails is like a brainless thing that we just do by habit. Right. If you've been working for a while, especially on a computer, and it's just like it's hard to tell people to be vigilant and actually like practice that because it's I mean, it's just such a mindless task. So um yeah, it just comes down to training, but it also comes down to uh, the person as well. Like they just need to realize what's at stake if they mess up. Exactly. Good rule of thumb. If the the person in your organization was alive before email was invented, you should probably give them a little extra training on how yes. to stay safe using email. 100% yes. <laughs> yes. And that's not like being ageist. That's just how it is. <laughs> so, I mean, right. being a millennial, I mean, we grew up with like really bad pop-up ads and stuff like that. So even now, like looking at advertisements on websites that are completely fine, I'm still kind of apprehensive because I grew up knowing if you click on an ad, it's usually a scam. So Right. Right. But and, and frankly, I was you merely adopted the email. I was born <laughs> in it, molded by it. Yes. We have Bane, <laughs> the Bane of emails. 
on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. The bane of emails is suspicious links, so don't click. <laughs> Next up we have, if one picture is worth 1,000 words, how much is 10 terabytes worth? Canon has reportedly suffered a ransomware attack on several of its web domains. Hackers are claiming to have stolen users' personal data. An investigation by a bleeping computer identified the list of domains that were affected. Bleeping computer claimed to have received internal memos from a source at Canon with details of the breach. Bleeping computer also claims to have obtained a partial screenshot of the Canon ransomware note. As it stands, the hackers demand payment as the only method to restore the files and be safe from any data leakage. The hackers claim to have stolen 10 terabytes worth of data, which is a lot. That is a lot. Just, just to put into perspective, most computers have anywhere between one terabyte to three terabytes of storage available on their hard drive. Mm-hmm. And most people, unless you're like a videographer or photographer or content marketing person or anything like that, you're not going to fill that in, that space up most likely right. over the course of five years. Mm-hmm. So 10 terabytes of that is a lot of photos and videos. and It can be, yeah. Yeah. Unless it's Depending all 4K, on... 8K, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you film in 4K, 10 terabytes, it's like a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not really, but uh, this is one of those breaches where if it's 10 terabytes of personal data, that's insane. That's a lot. Yep. But if it's 10 terabytes of photos, there might be some in there that were supposed to be private. But like in general, I don't know, steal 10 terabytes of photos yeah, of I don't my dog. Know. I don't care. Yeah, I don't know how bad per se this is for the individual who got affected. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be like just, I mean, if you look in your phone, you ha- you end up ever the course of like just your phone, right? If we were to look at your phone's photos and videos, right? Every, you just that thing just stacks up over time so it's like photos of yourself photos on social media photos of dinners and photos of food snapchat photos screenshots downloaded photos downloaded videos and is that stuff really that like i mean if, if someone got into my phone and looked at my photos i'd be like okay like enjoy looking at my husky like right, right. <laughs> it's not that offensive but i think <laughs> on a different level it affects canon more so it kind of just affects yeah. their reputation it does yeah so Especially because, I mean, in general, photo companies are kind of going by the wayside. The only way that they kind of make money now is either through printing software, editing software, or um, like hobbyist photographers, like actual professionals and hobbyists. Not like, because most people have phone or most people have cameras on their phones. So. Right, right. There's not a whole lot of direct-to-consumer sales right. anymore. Uh, well, yes and no. They are certainly declining kind of in that category, but they're also producing more affordable options that do things that your phone doesn't mm-hmm. that people seem to really like. Like uh, Sony's A7 series, those cameras are like wildly popular because yeah. people just love the way the photos look off of them. And so I think there is room to kind of recapture that market, but it's not going to happen through getting breached. Right. Next up, don't steal answers, just steal data. ProctorU, a proctoring platform, obviously, for online exams, disclosed that it was the victim of a major breach. This site allows teachers to ensure students don't cheat when they take online exams. The database contained details of 444,000 people, including names, addresses, emails, phone numbers, 
hash passwords and organization details. ProctorU disabled the server, terminated access to the environment, and is investigating the incident. The company implemented additional security measures to prevent recurrence. It's in the process of notifying affected universities and organizations. Let me just say, it already hurt enough spending all of my money for the rest of my life to go to college. And <laughs> as someone who was breached by my college, I feel so bad for these people. <laughs> just in time for school to be back in session. <laughs> right. Good job. You took your quiz. Have some data breach on the side. Yeah, I think that the unfortunate reality of this is, I mean, we're going to see more of this kind of stuff happening because of where we're at with education right now. Right. In terms of hybrid classes, mostly online classes because of coronavirus. And I hate talking about coronavirus because it's kind of been beaten to death, but it's still a reality that we have to face. And I think right. more and more hackers are going to keep targeting anything that's related to schools because that's easy information right mm -hmm. so because a lot of it's state funded government funded obviously this one isn't but I mean, you get the idea so often legacy um, systems and as a whole though i mean that's an interesting concept to try to figure out a way to offer something that makes sure that students don't cheat on their exams right i don't know how that works like how do you lock down that they don't go into a different tab and just google for the answer especially when people have multiple devices yeah, that's a good part, point. Part <laughs> maybe something more along the lines of preventing like plagiarism. Right. Like it up and copying nearly word for word from a website. It's able to mm -hmm. kind of cross reference students' answers with the internet and see yep. if it's something they just copied. But True. even then, like, I don't know, I've been known to memorize things. So if you ask me, like, what is a mitochondria? And I respond, it's the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> Am I plagiarizing that off a website? Or is that just something that I specifically memorize? So I have a good story. <laughs> so, you know, like, I don't know, middle school, high school, you have a test. And a lot of times on that test are vocabulary words, right? Mm -hmm. So my one of my teachers... She gave us homework where we had to do vocabulary words where you essentially look up the words from this, the chapter, go into the back of the book at the glossary and write down the word. And then on the back of the flashcard, you write down the definition of the word to help you study. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Me, being the savvy young man that I was, I decided to just photocopy glossary and then use different color highlighters for the chapters <laughs> and turn that in as my homework, which if you think about it, People study in different ways, and that's not that bad of an, an idea. I was scolded for it, but it's kind of being like, yo, how can I rework this and make it more efficient? And I think I found a pretty good way when I was 12 years old to be like, this is a pretty good way to do this. I'm not going to do the flashcards because I think that that takes way too much time. So why don't I just look at the, the thing and quiz myself that way? So uh, she didn't give me credit for that homework, but I thought it was a good idea. I absolutely agree but definitely not in the spirit of the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> we had to make uh, like vocabulary note cards at one point and all of them, we had to turn in two different things. We had to turn in note cards with each, like a flashcard of every vocabulary word. And we also had to turn in the master list of all yeah. of the, our definitions that we wrote. And they had to be in our own words and they had to be a certain number of words long. Oh, and boy. so... I spent way too many days 
printing out this list, cutting the strips of vocabulary words out and gluing them to note cards. It was terrible. <laughs> the lists were like 200 words long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But Anyway, that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.